Welcome, James. It's my pleasure and honor to have you on my podcast, Hack Your Leadership, that is designed specifically to address the points of leadership, coaching, and uh, express uh, the wisdom with people who might need it. So, by the way, do you know how this idea of coaching comes to my mind and uh, Ilya supported it? No idea. So um, when I participated at um, uh, Davos World Economic Forum, we were discussing the concept of uh, 232. And this is about uh, finding three peers who would encourage you to grow, mm -hmm. two people who will help you to guide you through the difficult situations and uh, to find inspiration and uh, support you, uncovering the opportunity spaces for your development, and two people with whom you can share back. So literally who you can uh, share your experience with. And uh, we start uh, discussing at Azomar that maybe not everyone, especially people living in emerging regions, have an opportunity to talk to professional people who deserved uh, uh, tremendous results in their fields and to ask them questions. So this podcast is exactly for you, for those who are searching for an opportunity to grow. And today I have a special guest, James, who achieved remarkable results in insights industry. You have extensive experience, uh, and I prepare myself going through your uh, Just don't mention how many years and where I came. Okay, no worries. <laughs> so uh, you have worked on the client side, you work uh, on the agency side, you worked in media, and today yep. you have a great position of a global head. Uh, uh, you lead the transformation of insights and capabilities in Halion. Is correct. that correct? Absolutely correct. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Thank you very much for being with us. Well, thank you for the invite. I'm very, glad, I'm very glad to be here. I'll be able to share hopefully something. So your, <laughs> your point about the coaching is really interesting because as you were saying it, I was also wondering how many people have the time internally within their businesses to even spend time with people around them who could mentor them, let alone outside the business. And it's something I, I really will we'll talk about it hopefully a bit more, but something I'm really passionate about is because we just don't make time. We don't have time and we don't tell people even that it's part of their job to grow and to have mentorship. So I think this is a great initiative. Yeah, I thank you so much. And uh, in Colgate, I was always reminded that career is my own responsibility. Yeah. So you are your, like you are the CEO of your own brand and of your own organization, and you're responsible to, to grow and uh, to make the right decisions. So uh, we open all the podcasts related uh, to leadership and coaching uh, with uh, one simple question. So you have managed to, as I already mentioned, achieve tremendous results and many people would be excited to repeat uh, the story and uh, to achieve the same level. Um, so what are your secrets? So can you please uh, summarize it in the three bullet points? So what are the key elements of success that define your position today? Okay, yeah. And I, and I think if, it's, if I look especially where I am now, like my last few positions, I think there's a few things. And, and again, I've learned it over time. And you spoke about mentors and coaches. I think also I've learned it from people I've worked in, where I've worked with, where I've seen either myself flourish or others flourish. It's kind of as you're saying it, I'm thinking, yes, actually, you're right. There's, you know, it's those moments when you realize this is how you worked with someone and, and, it, and it worked for you. So for me, I think the three key things is, um, or are, is firstly is, is trust and trusting your team. Um, I think anyone who's worked with me or, or for me, hopefully, you know, feels that actually they have that independence. Um, I trust them and I hope they trust me in, uh, in return. And I think that, that gives you a sense of freedom to grow. Um, I think the second one is how, how do you, as part of my role, I believe, is to search for and build advocacy in other teams. Essentially clear the path for my, for my, for my teams. So, you know, like we call, um, I can't even think of the word, um, but, um, what do they call them? Um, 
trailblazers or bushwhackers, as they call, but basically the people who go first and who cut down the trees so other people can follow you. Mm. I give you the word in French, it's éclaireur, I just can't think of it in English. Um, but it's the person who clears that way so that actually when your team need to go through that path, there's much less resistance. So I think for me that's really key. I think the third one is to really encourage people to shout about it. I, I think, you know, self-promotion sometimes is felt like it's a, it's a it's a sales thing and it's a bit of a dirty word and I'm not really comfortable with it. And I think the problem is, as you said, it's your responsibility, your career. You need to be able to talk about what you do positively. You need to be able to build your brand and talk about what you do. So I think empowering people to be confident enough in their own way, because not everyone has the same styles, but to just be visible and, and to shout about their work. So I think that's three slightly long bullet points, but three bullet points. Thank you very much. I think that uh, they are all very important and uh, it resonates with me because uh, today we are participating uh, as Omar yeah. Congress and I was also had a uh, honor to uh, lead yes uh, coaching session with some uh, young talents and we were discussing that trust is the fundamental element to hire the professional to your team yeah. so and if you have to choose between skill set and trust and passion you will choose all this passion and trust because mm -hmm. that would be the right candidate so how do you embrace trust in your team how do you show uh, that you trust people and how uh, how do you create an environment where people um, feel proud to flourish and grow yeah it's, it's a big question i think i think it, it's an element of giving them responsibilities that are clear responsibilities end to end so no micromanagement and mm. i think really that thing if you if you say to somebody i want you to do this then don't go and check on them tomorrow and the day after and it, it, trust them to do it and you'll very soon learn different people's personalities how often you might need to go and check right because everyone's a bit different but for me there's a whole piece of this is your project this is your baby and actually when you're finished with it no one else is going to take it off you and get the glory. Because I think there's that as well, especially when you're in more junior positions. So there's people in my teams who may have started in a more junior position who have no insights experience. Um, and right now are in charge of a very, very six months, not even six months later, in charge of a very high profile program within our business, working with senior leaders. Because I knew she could do it. As you say, it's the trust, um, the skill set and the potential. And just saying, go, go do it. And I've got your back. I think that's the key thing is I've got your back. So if you're going to do it, and even if you trip over, I'm gonna, I've got you. And also I'm going to, as I say, build that, kind of remove the friction for you to deliver this and be, and be successful. So for me, that's the trust. And I think the other thing is that with trust comes transparency. So I think it's also explained to the teams why you're doing for good or bad, why things are the way they are, um, and having an open dialogue with them. And I think for me, that's, that's really key. Um, but you get the best out of people because if they know they can trust you, then they don't hold back. And I think there's always that element. I think you, know, you have, I have definitely worked for people where I didn't have trust at 100%. And you know you don't give everything because you don't want to give everything and then find out that that, that work then goes to somebody else or it gets recognized by somebody else or it's not used or there's so many things that can happen. And for me, I, I've been in that situation, felt how uncomfortable it is and how you therefore are maybe working at 70 or 80%. Mm. When you want to work at 100%, it's because you have the freedom and you have that trust. So I think for me, it's that dialogue. I think also um, it links into your point about career uh, and mentorship, which is you're building trust with people because you're showing them that you're helping them develop. You're showing them that there's new skills. You're showing them that actually this is, this is a path to, to somewhere. It, insights is a really difficult industry sometimes to progress um, because if you become a specialist at running field work, well, it's very hard to then break out, become somebody who delivers presentations, to then be somebody who writes briefs and there's all these steps and it's like, well, how do I go from here to here? 
or how do I move from insights into a marketing role? Because wouldn't we all like to have more insights people working as brand marketers? Or and it, and it doesn't happen that often because we don't provide that clear pathway and those clear skills. So I think for me, there's also the element of trust and mentorship is what we're doing here is building something um, mm. and we're going somewhere. So I think it's the transparency. I think it's having that direction of travel, whether it's with the individual or with the team. So I, I think and I hope the team might, with my team that they, they understand the vision, they understand the passion, they understand where we want to go. Mm. And then that really helps as well because they also know then there's no hidden agenda. There's no like ulterior motive or other plan. It's clear what we're trying to do. And what we're trying to do is also exciting, I think. Um, you know, trying to change the way people think, behave and work with insights. So I think for all of those things, for me is how, you know, how we build trust with, with the teams um, and at the same time, how we're helping develop them um, for whatever's next. Clarity is transparency. Yes. And uh, with the full respect to this advice, I think that it's mainly um, triggers the interest uh, of the leaders. But if for the moment you are not leading other people, like uh, most of the um, participants of our podcast, mm -hmm. but they are managed uh, by different leaders uh, who might give them full trust and full credit and who might be uh, in the position to check from time to time. So what would be the advice for, for them? Depends on on the different style that yeah, your boss is is It depends, is it depends on your be. style and it depends also on your boss's style. Because I think there's this whole thing about, you know, situational leadership. And that doesn't mean you need to lead people. I think as someone who's being led, also having that, that EQ and that understanding of who is my boss and what do they need from me is mm. also really, really important. So I'd also encourage people to understand that uh, you almost need to treat your boss as a target audience, right? <laughs> like, what is it they need? So in that given moment, are they detail-orientated? Do they want the big picture? Um, do they want to just know you've got it? And in that case, just every so often, just check in and tell them you still got it. I think you need to understand whatever that dynamic is, because then you start to build that bond of trust. You know, I've worked for people who wanted all the detail. And in that case, that's not my natural style. Mm. But I had to adapt and I had to make sure that at the end of every week or at the beginning of every week, they could just open the email and go, oh, they're on it. Uh, and I've worked with other people who I've worked with a boss, you know, not that long ago, who I probably didn't hear from for maybe weeks at a time. Um, but that in itself was trust because uh, she knew that we were getting on with it, that we had it and could see the results without me having to share them directly. So I think you, you've got to adapt your style, even as a person being managed, to say, what is it they need to see from me? What is it they need to hear from me? And how do I deliver that and show them? And it's, it's showing them in a more proactive way. I've got this. Um, and I think that then helps you get more and more responsibility and more and more growth. And I think what most managers want to know is it's going fine it's going well and i don't you don't need me to get involved right and if it's going to be delivered and it's going to be delivered exactly and because think, the deadline is very important and some people want to know every step to that deadline and some people just want to know it's going to be delivered and i think it's that it's that balance that you need to understand mm. Excellent advice. So the second point uh, you were mentioning was about uh, this uh, preparing the field for others to yes. run together with you. So for me, it's like a lighthouse. You can kind of show the yeah. direction. So it might be uh, many way how we can uh, express what insights uh, should stand for yep. and not necessarily be being guided by marketeers or being order takers, something like that. So And for the moment, I think that we are establishing our uh, position on the market yep. because if you look back, actually, we have published this uh, beautiful work at SMR, like uh, three books, and uh, one of them uh, dedicates uh, to understanding the market development. So since 1994, we grew tremendously, yep. like 
uh, we extended and this growth was unpredictable. So imagine the market uh, nobody knows about many years ago. And today uh, it's developing. And with the growth of the technology, we would be keep evolving. So and I'm very curious to follow this development. Mm. So uh, talking about this lighthouse uh, or um, your way, how you yeah. uh, embrace what insights should stand for, how you establish in Haleon and what uh, do you suggest uh, all your uh, team members uh, to uh, create the right image? Yeah, I think there's something in there about, about clarity. Um, so from my point, one of the first things that we did, it was a couple of years ago, was, well, four years ago, actually, the first thing we did is we established a from two for the whole team. So it's what is insights today and what do we believe it needs to be in the future? And four years on, 80% of it is still true. I, we, that's still who we want to be. There's been some nuances like with AI and other things developing. But I think that clear evolution, it gives people the cues they need to say, okay, well, I'm going to grow some skills. I'm going to grow myself. I understand. You need me to go from being someone who runs projects to someone who can gain advocacy with stakeholders. So if all my focus before had been my technical skills, I now understand your expectation is going to be to, to flesh out more of my storytelling or, or stakeholder management skills, and we give them the opportunity to do it. So I think there's that piece about how do you lay down uh, clarity of what the path is um, for the team. Um, and then in terms of removing obstacles, I've seen it as my job with, with, with a small part of my team to go out and actually educate the business. Mm. So that if you're someone who works in insights and you're going to a meeting and someone else comes up with an opinion, you're able to challenge it and say, that's great, but it's not an insight because we have a definition of an insight. Um, and I think that power there um, al allows us to challenge because there's a clarity where even if a senior leader says, oh, I don't think that's what people want. Um, I think when, um, my colleague on the panel earlier, Diana, I think she was saying, um, you know, people are coming into meetings and just saying, I think that. And someone earlier was giving me an example of saying, oh, but my wife thinks this is... We need to be able to challenge those things as insights people and reground and say, actually, guys, this is a this is a serious profession, and an insight is a thing, and an insight is where there's a tension and there's an opportunity and there's a competitive advantage. There's all these ingredients that come into it, and maybe what you have there is a an, is part of it, and it's an ingredient, but it's not it. Um, so I think there's a piece there about how we do that and how we then educate the, the business. And I've made that a real a real passion over the last couple of years. Is like, okay, we're we're putting all the effort in as insights come on everyone else. You're like, how do, how do we get everyone else in the business to be more receptive to what we do to then again ease that pathway? Um, so when we come into a meeting, anyone, whatever level, comes into a meeting and talks about the consumer insights that maybe there's a bit more respect, there's a bit more understanding, and there's a bit more um, excitement about the value that that can bring. So for me, there's a, there's, there's a few things there to do to just knock down those obstacles. We have the most senior endorsement and we have our people who are really passionate about it but there's all those people in the middle mm -hmm. um, that we need to work on so I, I think for me that's a key thing and that then goes to the if you trust people and they know they're going into meetings where they have a solid grounding a clear purpose and mission for the team a clear direction hopefully it makes people a bit more comfortable to then have an opinion to challenge and to bring out the best of themselves because they're in a, a slightly safer environment hopefully to do so 
Fantastic. So it sounds like a, a great, uh, great direction. So if you are struggling to find a way how to uh, express uh, your capabilities, the team of your capabilities, you can follow this direction mm. to regroup as a team to define the direction and then to slice down uh, into the steps which you want to go on a daily basis, brick by brick, to develop the image of your department. And I know it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy, but I think Joe, the way you said it was really nice, which is because if you try and just go from here to here immediately, you're almost going to get a reaction of people going, well, hold on one second, yeah, two weeks ago you are in here just showing me data tables, and now you're talking to me about business strategy. Um, yeah, sometimes the, the leap, so I think you're right, for that leap to not be too big and uncomfortable, you need to break it down into progress and say, okay, what are we going to do next three, six, nine, and for us, we're, we're you know, three, four years in on that journey and made a lot of progress in some areas and less in others, right? I mean, it's, that's the case. Um, but it helps. And I think every step that you make forward and every, every um, moment that you raise awareness in your colleagues and your stakeholders of what we've done in the business and also what we've done elsewhere. So if you're able to pull on the, the experiences of another team or, an, or a colleague and say, hey, don't be scared of this because we've actually already done it over here and it worked. I think it's, it's also that. It's being able to give that support. So do you have any maybe example to support this story? Have you ever met any difficult uh, business partner to work with who was maybe against of insights-driven work and he was like uh, mainly dominating the decision yes. with the dis- with uh, its point of view or its uh, intuition or the knowledge uh, yeah, about the market? There's a couple. One is it, one is it, there's one specific example and then one more general example. So the more general example is um, the way that we were, we were doing innovation was you just get everyone in a room and yeah, kind of took to, Simplify. Everyone get in a room and what are your ideas? You know, what do we know? Um, and the problem there is you would get people just coming in with the same thing they've been trying to do for the last two or three years, which quite often is an opinion or a gut feeling. or a, um, and, and that happened across the business. And so if in, that, in that circumstance, we actually had to go back and say, okay, what is the innovation process? And as part of it, there is now a dedicated, first of all, there is mandatory training. Mm. So it doesn't matter who you are, R&D, marketing, medical, legal, you have to have completed our art and science of insights. Uh, capability work, which gives you a grounding, shows you what an insight is, shows you how it's built, teaches what, what what's the difference between an insight and a data point. So all of that means you're going to a room with people who've already come part that way and it makes it easier. So that for me, that's the, I say general because it's now applied across all of our projects. But I've also been in specific examples where you have really tough discussions where I made a comment, actually similar to a comment I made earlier today that got a very different reaction, which was I made a comment about data-driven being a bad thing. And just being reliant on dashboards um, is not enough. And this was in front of a room of 100 colleagues. And one of our very, very senior leaders stood up and said, I've just spent a million pounds on a dashboard. I don't I totally disagree with you. Are you trying to tell me I'm wrong? You know, And it became a standoff because you've got a very, very senior marketing leader standing up for what in his mind is insight. And in my mind, it's the beginning of insight. It's like, yes, you've got some data. Where are you going from here? And that was a really uncomfortable discussion. And from my point, I had to stand my ground. And I think it was important for the team as well that in those kind of things, if you just back down, it undermines what you're trying to do. But also, as a senior leader, give them a bit of latitude to also explain what they mean by that. So in that specific example, it was a case of demonstrating, of you know, reassuring that what you have is good. We're not saying you've just wasted a million because that would look terrible. Uh, what we're saying is, work with your insights team to understand why. You might have a red light over here, but what are you can do with it? It's bad, yeah, it's bad, so what? And I think it's that transition for me between it's bad, why, to going to a, 
okay, how do we stop that happening again? What's the future? What's the solution in the future? Would we predict that that's cyclical? Is it going to, you know, it's changing the discussion. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely a few examples where we meet resistance um, and behavior is not changed in one hit. You know, if you look at behavior change, behavioral science, this way, depending on the, what you read, anywhere between 20 and 120 times of doing a new behavior before it's embedded. So you're not going to win the first time you do this with a marketer. But you have to hold firm and keep at it, and then that's where I think you see some progress. So, um, so yeah, it's not it's not an easy way. And these kind of things is always rose tinted glasses of yeah, we've done this and we've done that. No, some of it's really tough, uh, and you know, colleagues sometimes get get stuck in situations where they suffer because the stakeholder is may or can be inflexible. But then, what's important is the support around them to say, well, no, actually, we have evidence, other markets, other brands, and we can help you with that. So, um, but it goes back to the first point: you can only do that if you have clarity of. Mm, that's because as a function, as a business, we're moving from here to here. Otherwise, it becomes just a personal you know, argument as opposed to a strategic discussion. I think it's a brilliant example, especially if we work uh, in the businesses and we know that uh, changing behavior takes time and money and it requires lots of communication. As an insights professional, we have to accept the fact that uh, changing behavior of the business partners we are working on a daily basis also takes time and communicational efforts. And uh, also relationship in general takes time. So you cannot build relationship in a minute. So it takes time. But what's interesting is we've actually looked at so we've built a behavioral science capability work in our team. We've trained everybody in it, but we actually use it internally. So when we think about if we're going into a significant meeting where we want to mm. get, get a decision made or anything else, we actually use the consumer behavioral science toolkit to say, well, what do we think the current behavior is? What do we think their issues are? And we use it to plot. So um, I'm sure we'll talk about it later on, but you know, the, the, we launched a big education program across the business. And our, our behavioral science diagnosis was no one wants to hear insights people talk about insights. So by using our own behavioral science kit, we didn't talk about it at all. We let the rest of the business talk about it, and it drove the behavior change. Whereas I strongly believe that if I'd done like a video saying to everybody, hey, go and take our new program about insights, everyone would have just said, yeah, of course you're telling me it's important. It's what you do. Whereas by getting other leaders to talk about it, and this was for our MBA program, by getting other leaders to talk about why it's important to them and their functions, people went to it in, in their droves, and that's because we turned insights internally and we turned the behavioral science internally and we do it more and more even when we're trying to train people on um you know storytelling we'll go into the meeting saying okay what's what do we think their start point is what do we think the barriers are what are we trying to do therefore how do we change our messaging to drive the behavior change so i think you know using insights internally as well as just look at the external markets has really proven quite powerful for us that's very exciting and very powerful mm. to be insights uh, and to serve your own needs and the team's yeah. needs first and i also like what you said before about uh, the data set the data set is not what we produce we mm. produce insights and the insights um uncovers the growth opportunities and suggests how to grow uh, in the tough business realities. It's not the data sets because data sets is the facts. I also remember that in the beginning of my career, somebody told me like, what are you doing, by the way? I'm an site manager. And then, okay, so you're you're the person who is knocking the doors of the people and asking to fulfill the query. And I was like... So you're standing like this. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm not that person. So, and I think that with the growth of uh, the industry, yeah. we will see big changes of uh, the mindset and obviously we need to to drive this advocacy and on a daily basis uh, to stand for what we want to be yeah. and what is important but it's interesting right there because i do wonder for how many people who, who hope to watch this who are maybe newer to the industry 
how difficult it is sometimes to explain what you do. Because I've been in the industry for a long time, but when people ask me, what do you do? You, it's yeah. difficult. My daughter tells people I make toothpaste. <laughs> because that, that's the thing she sees in the, in the bathroom on the shelf, right? Um, and, and I think there's, I think is it, there is something about our, our identity as an industry as well, I believe, because you want people to be proud to work in insights. There's always, you know, it's always like a half joke, which is, you know, everyone accidentally ends up in insights. Mm. Whereas actually, it's a really good career path for the right kind of person. And if we just took a bit more ownership of the, the campaigns we were responsible for, the products that we helped develop, the company strategies that were totally changed, you know, 180 degrees because of the insight they got. But we don't get to claim those things very often. And I think that's the piece where, you know, as, as someone who is maybe a younger researcher coming in, there's some really exciting stuff that we do. But unfortunately, and we saw some slides earlier from John Paulson that kind of put us as, you know, amongst the last people you'd invite to a dinner party. Because oh the God. perception is exactly what you said. You know, we're the ones asking you, um, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Not the ones who are helping um, Kellogg's or somebody come up with a great new concept. Um, we're just seen as the collectors. And I think moving from being the collectors to the owners and the activators of insight, that's, what I think, the exciting bit is. Strategist. Exactly. Analyzing yeah. the data sets and converting them into the insights. And by the way, talking about the career path, obviously it's not clear in our industry as well as the education. So all of us comes from different industries mm. and uh, it might be mathematics, it might be economy, it might be psychology. So I'm very excited about this project that you have started that's going to change tremendously the industry and maybe clarify the career path as well, not only for Hyleon, but hopefully yep. for many other organizations and uh, democratize uh, the insights in a good way so make it possible to be inside manager and have a possibility to know what type of steps you need to yeah. go through in order the education skill set that you have to obtain the experience to have an opportunity to be considered for the open position so can you please tell more oh, about this exciting you've built project? it up so much now <laughs> but no i think yes i mean again i think we probably used our behavior change toolkit to look at it to say why is there so much frustration and so i've been quite a few organizations and the insights team or the fieldwork team almost always is one of the lowest employee satisfactions oh my in a business. Now, part of that can be the kind of uh, people who work in insights who tend to sometimes be more reserved, more um, process-focused, more detail-focused. But a lot of it is, where do you go? Like, if I start off in insights, where do I go? And I think there's a real lack of clarity about what are those steps. So what we've done internally is we kind of looked at um, what existed in our HR teams, our learning development teams, and none of it was specific enough. And I think, you know, it always looks easier in other functions. But I think if you're a marketer, it's maybe easier to see that you could be in brand marketing, category marketing, the digital. I think maybe maybe it's easier. And I think when we looked at within insights, there wasn't clarity about, well, how do I go from here to here? How do I go from being a, a research executive to being a, a category lead in insights? Like, what are, what's the skills gap? What are the things I need to do? So what we've done is to map out all of the different roles. So, you know, we have um, about 150 people in Global Insights and I think when we looked at it, for 150 people, I think we had something like 130 job titles that were different. So firstly, that's as someone coming into the business, that's very complicated to understand. So we've created some very simplified archetypes to say, actually, I think, I can't remember the number, it's maybe there's 14 archetypes. Um, but then show people, if you want to move from this role to this role, this is the skills gap. And actually, you might already have some of them because everyone's different, but these are the, all of the things you need. So to go to your very opening point, if you're going to take control of your own career and you want to work on something, this is what you should work on. So if you're currently an insights leader who wants to go more into data analytics and go into a senior role, then actually here's some of the things you'll be missing and vice versa. 
If you're someone who's working in a single market who actually wants to go into a global role within, what's the gap? And I think that's, that for me already is the, the initial clarity within the team. But then the other clarity is if you're a marketer and you want to work in insights, let's take down some of those barriers. Let's actually say you could come into insights, do a rotation in insights, and then two years later, you'll be a better marketer. And vice versa, how do insights people go out into marketing? I've spoken to quite a few other companies and it varies hugely as to how much movement there ever is. In some companies, you will see that 20% of their insights team or more were previously marketers within the same business. And in other companies, it'll be zero. And I think there's that thing, well, how do you encourage that? Because more insights people do marketing and more marketers doing insights has to be a good thing. And it has to be a good thing for career progression because we always talk about you know, the T-shaped professional. How do you get those general skills that also help you be a specialist? And those general skills come from exposure to other areas of the business, you know, I believe. So we've worked on that mapping. Um, we've worked on that, you know, how you can navigate from one role to another. And then in, in parallel to that, so that's our, our career explorer kit, but in parallel to that, um, we've then created a, a program for the rest of the business to upskill. Because it goes to the point of like knocking down barriers and also why should it always be us making the efforts? Um, we created an MBA program. Uh, so it's a mini MBA program, and we've partnered with a, a leading university in the UK called UCL. And that's open to any employee in the whole business. So anyone in our business right now, and that's like 30, 35, I think about 30,000 global employees probably, um, anybody can join it. And anyone can take it, and anyone can qualify, and they can get a mini MBA from UCL. How um, many people are interested to join? So, so currently, well, it's not even interested. We currently have 2,200 people studying for an MBA in Insights, a mini MBA in Insights. Now, I don't know how many people are in any given university, but I'd like to take a bet that we're one of the biggest That's institutions, right? Yeah, I'm really proud of it. And my team, I have to say it's my team, and there's Liz and Lou who are in my team in particular, who, who deserve a lot of the credit because they're the ones who've worked through building that content, who've worked through the program, and again, who I've given the, the, the responsibility for it, right? Um, to build it end to end. Um, and it's allowed us to then break down barriers and have marketers who are going out and learning those skills, but also as part of the program, they have to write a short uh, dissertation at the end, a capstone project, where they need to think about their, end of their current role and part of the business and how could insights solve a problem for them. Mm. So there's people in HR looking at how behavioral science could help them address um, uh, inequality within our recruitment. We've got people in um, quality and supply chain thinking about uh, how would great consumer insights influence them in understanding some of the decisions that are being made on the, uh, on the, um, even on the factory line. Um, we've got, I think we've already got about 60 or 70 projects back, which is like a, it's like a gold mine of, okay, applications for insight skills in non-insight areas. And then in some case, well, actually in probably about half the cases, application for insight in areas where we'd expect it. So for a brand or a product launch or an innovation. Um, one of them that I've just seen was about, um, the role of AI. So someone's written a whole capstone about how, um, where AI could come in and help them. And there was a whole thing about semiotics. And that person is not an insights professional. So this is someone who is not an insights professional. <clears throat> they are very young, new to the industry, and they've written a 2,500, 3,000 word project about how they believe AI is going to, and it's really interesting <laughs> because it's an alternative view. So, um, so I think those things are helping our people understand how they can progress and how other people can come into the team. But then also trying to just raise the bar in the general business. But also there's something, um, there's something different about formal qualification. It's almost mm -hmm. like it, um, it validates insights. It's like, 
you can get a mini MBA from UCL on insights. That means it's a serious subject. It's a proper topic, right? Whereas some people might have considered it's, it's the people with the clipboard. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the data collectors. But actually by getting them to do it, the first thing they learn is what's an insight, what's the definition. They learn how to do storytelling around insights. Then they learn about behavioral science. Then they learn about parasemiotics, uh, predictive analytics, uh, market mix modeling. I mean, all of these things which are perceived barriers are very high. You'll be amazed how we, we ran a live session on market mix modeling with our market mix modeling lead in the session. And we had people from just all over the business asking questions about how it works and how it works on a campaign and how Hagen uses it. And it was incredible to see. So I think there's a lot of things there that help. Um, and this was the program I was talking to you about before, saying, well, how did we get them to join up? When we launched it at the beginning of this year, me and my team did not say a word. We did not, we did not tell the business it was launched. We identified about 20 people who we felt were influential in the business. And that could have been seniority or just visibility. And we got them to record short videos about why it was important to them in their function. Not why it was important to them that we do our job well, but why it was so, for example, our tech team talking about understanding their internal client is key to delivering the best solutions internally. Therefore, there's a really good use for, you know, stakeholder interviews and research internally. And that's what drove it. That's what's driven the signups. I think it was only last month that me and my team actually recorded a piece about it internally. Up until then, we hadn't spoken about it. I've spoken about it more at SMR and the MRS <laughs> than I have within my own company. But the reason for that is, is it wasn't about us. It was about maximizing the advocacy. We treated it as a strategic insights project. If I was in a function who didn't care, what would make me care? And that's the way that we engineered it was, what would make me care is my boss telling me, I care about it and I think it'll make a difference. Or somebody who I respect telling me, they already use this in their work and that's why they're successful. And I think it's those things that start to drive influence, almost like, a, almost like an advertising campaign, um, but all designed to knock down barriers internally because insights is exciting. We've just got to get other people <laughs> to see that and believe it as much as we probably do. How do you predict an appetite of these people who finished uh, this uh, tremendous education and now knowledgeable? So what would be their appetite to be part of your team? So what is the... It's, uh, yeah, it's a good question. So I, we've already had spontaneously people contacting us, asking us about you know, roles and what, what does it look like to work in the team. And, and we've had you know, people interested in actually coming and help us run the program um, to a degree as well. So we see that, that desire. What we see as well is, is that... Um, It's helping them learn the language of the business. So the business's stated value to the stock market is deep human understanding and trusted science. So this is giving people that, that language and that support that goes behind one of those two pillars and actually feeds into the trusted science because you build your scientific solutions around your, your insights and your consumer needs. So there's a real appetite for people to understand more. So people who've, um, who've taken it, the, the MBA, which is a self-service uh, platform, They're now attending live sessions. So like the one on market mix modeling, when they turned up, we expected it to be people who hadn't yet taken the online session. But it wasn't. It was nearly all people who'd taken the online session but wanted to go deeper and have that live Q&A. So it was the same content run again, but with a Q&A with the product specialist and product owner. And so there's a real appetite to not just go tick, 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 I've done it, but actually to say, I want to understand a bit more about this. Um, and we've seen that across multiple topics. So I think there's definitely an appetite. Um, initially, we were saying, okay, how many people are doing it? Because in some functions, they set themselves a target, whatever else. But actually, 
we're seeing it being more spontaneous. I was in the um, one of our big European markets um, in March or April, and the entire senior leadership team, all of the senior marketers, had signed themselves up for it and had told their teams that in in one of these sessions. And you saw the rest of the team starting to go, we better we better go do it right because if my boss is going to start talking this way and behaving this way, then and that's where you can kind of get to the a cultural change in the business because people start to have a certain expectation about um, in, in one of our biggest markets, if you go into an innovation session and you present an insight, you will get challenged if it's not presented in the insight card format because we have a particular format which allows people to judge it. If you come in with a, hey, we've got an insight from this piece of work, here's a, here's a slide from our agency, you'll, get, you'll be told to come back and come back once you've actually put it into a format which they're expecting they understand and they know how to judge the strength of the insight. So we're already seeing some of those changes uh, happening in the business, yeah. So it's very impressive, especially I know how much time you have to sometimes explain what the methodology stands for and to spend time on it and the generic questions. But uh, if uh, most of the people in your organization at some point go through this program and it would be mandatory at some point, I suppose, so you would be able to move from discussing methodology and then slowly going to the direction of the business, directly jump into the business context because everyone would speak the same language. So it's a tremendous progress. And... uh, Big applause for this achievement. It's the idea. I'm not going to pretend that we're there. Of, I understand. But, but, but that idea of changing language, right, you don't want to be talking about the questions you're going to put into a questionnaire. You want, you want to be talking to them about what's the objective. What is the outcome? Yes. So what yeah. are the facts that we have to transform into the insights yeah. and to speak the same language? So it's uh, tremendous. And uh, I'm sure that many people who are watching us, they are thrilled to know, is it possible to join the program if they are not uh, Helion employees? Unfortunately, at the moment, um, so at the Give moment, us some uh, yes, I mean it, it, it's something we've we've had we've had quite a lot of interest. So who knows? Um, but there is all I can tell you is there is an appetite for programs like this for people in the industry, because um, I've I spoke to quite quite a few other clients in non-competitive sectors who are very keen to sign up to this program or to create their own version of this program because I, I, to create that uniform level of understanding is is really valuable. Um, so so hopefully. There'll be you know, there'll be something in the future. Um, right now, our focus has been on on Hayden. I think that will remain it for the moment. Um, but you know, there are versions of this out there, right? There are in, there are organisations out there who offer this. And I think if you're someone looking to grow, don't think this is a no. It's not for us. I need to wait. If you go out and look, there are courses with various institutions, some of which are free of charge, where you can learn how other people are building insights. You can look at what's the power of storytelling. Um, you can understand predict. These things exist, and I think you can take it on yourself. What are the best sources you will recommend, especially the free sources, as you mentioned? Um, so it depends if you're a member. But for example, I have a lot of my team who are signed up to the Market Research Society, uh, who are a global organization, although they're UK-based. And actually, there's quite often free seminars there. And especially if you're a young researcher, there's a young network. And obviously, in Esmar, there's a young network as well. And if you sign up to those sources as, as a young person in the industry, there's actually access to quite a lot of things that otherwise... Um, you can't, you, you, yeah, you wouldn't have access to. Um, and I think that there are certain academies, there's certain case studies that are put online by businesses. I really think it's a case of just going out and even like um, LinkedIn Learning and Harvard yes. Business Review. Um, you've, you've got to do a lot of legwork sometimes to find the right source because if you put storytelling into LinkedIn Learning, you'll come up with like a hundred different things. Um, but if you spend time and look, you will find some which are certainly relevant for you, which will teach you some of those skills. For the storytelling, actually, there's a free resource. I think it's called the Khan Academy, mm-hmm. which is based on the Pixar approach, which actually is one of the things we use internally, which is 
Pixar are like the best in the world at telling stories. They have a very set storytelling arc. The Lion King fits it perfectly. And if you even adapt those five phases to your internal storytelling, you'll go a long way. And that, again, is a free resource that you can download. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that's sharing Khan, with us. That's Khan, K-H-A-N. Fantastic. Yeah. So we will share the links uh, when we yep. issue this uh, recording. Okay. So uh, now we are moving slowly to your third point about uh, shouting about your achievements, yes. because if you don't speak about what you are doing, nobody knows. Yeah. So can you please uh, tell us a little bit more about how you motivate your team members to yeah. be proactive in sharing? Because, you know, some of us, uh, especially working in analytics, uh, we are introverts, not extroverts. Yes. And it's very hard to expose yourself mm. uh, to for judgments. Because yes. if you expose yourself, you open the door to be criticized. Yes. And uh, it's a key barrier. Yes. And I think that's the answer. Is I think it's it, it manifests itself in different ways for different people. So the first thing is for my team, in all of their personal objectives, there is some form um, of... Um, promotion or um, a sharing of their work. And it's different by person. So for someone who is maybe more on that introverted scale, it might be writing an article rather than presenting something where you might feel uncomfortable and exposed. So it's about finding the right things. But every single one of my team members has something in there, which is about um, standing up and being proud of what you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's, that's, that's really key. And I think you need to also know what you're comfortable with. So, you know, it, it, I'm very comfortable with presenting, but I work with a lot of people who aren't. Um, And for those people, you know, they might require days to prepare for a presentation. It might give them immense anxiety. And so you need to work say, is it the direction you want to go in? Like, is that your growth? And that that career mapping is really important because if you think you want to be a brand lead on a particular um, or a category lead, you're going to be in those stakeholder situations, those So if that's what you want to do, you've got to start exposing yourself to those skills. But if what you want to be is a deep SME in analytics, then become an SME in analytics. And your maybe your your promotion is um, to work with the um, Association for Survey Computing and actually write for those guys uh, an article um, about you know the future of a particular data collection method. Or, or there's there's lots of different ways to do it, and it isn't all about being the loudest person in the room. Um, or somebody stands up and presents. So I think there is that piece about knowing yourself and discovering it in yourself. We, we use something internally called Color Insights, which gives people a, a top-level view about whether you are that more introverted person, whether you're outgoing, but also helps you understand those around you as well. And I think that helps um, with, with, with career progression um, and understanding where are my strengths. So you know, shouting about it doesn't mean literally shouting about it, but it just means be visible. Be visible through some form. And being visible could be the internal newsletter. It could be in a team meeting sharing what you've done. You know, it doesn't mean you're on a stage necessarily. So I would just encourage people to find what's your way of doing it. Don't copy someone else's way of doing it. What's your way of expressing yourself? Some of the best presentations I've seen have been subject matter experts who found a way to convey that expertise. Um, and they aren't necessarily a show, you know, a showman or a showwoman who can stand up there, and, but they managed to convey it. Um, so I'd encourage people to just, you know, be visible. Um, don't hide uh, behind your work because we always think the work speaks for itself. But unfortunately, it doesn't. I think we see it and other insights professionals, when they look at your work, may look at it and go, wow, that's an incredible piece of work. Well done. But for that work to travel further, um, it needs that, um, that vehicle or that promotion. And we, we spoke about it in one of the sessions earlier today at Esmar, where it was, How much of your time on your projects are you devoting to what happens next? How does it get shared? 
How does it become alive? Um, how is the work that you've done going to be visible? How is it not just going to be finished? And used. The most exactly. important thing. Visible, so it will, used. Yeah. It will live yes. after it was exposed. Yeah, it'll be exposed. And very often the work is transformed and they are transformed by marketeers yeah. and therefore it's lost. Who was the bringing this uh, piece of the information that yeah. was carefully selected and chosen and uh, um, analytically put together. Yeah. So it's very important. I wonder, I do wonder, it's good to that point about, you know, with being the marketeers taking the credit. I wonder how many times, you know, people actually sit at home and they watch an ad or, the, or a product on TV and they're like, I was, I was involved in that. Mm. But obviously they're, they, they're so detached from it that they know someone else is probably taking the, the, the claim for the campaign. Or, but if you've been involved in one of those you know, campaign pre-testing, early stage storyboard, and it suddenly becomes something that has huge success that goes on to win prizes, Damn it, you had your role to play in that. It wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for the insights work. Exactly. So I think as individuals and as an industry, we need to be better at standing up and saying, well, hold on. Actually, that, that, that was thanks to insight. You know, that, that idea came from a session that we had or we fleshed that out in the groups that we did. Or I think there's just something about taking ownership of it and not being afraid to do so because other people shout louder than us in some cases. But that's not enough. You know, they, they may shout loud on us, but we also need to be confident in showing our role in these things. Um, and there's been some really good work that over the last couple of years to highlight the role of insight. Um, I think internally, we had internal awards where we've managed to create, I think, two or three categories which are around insights that have led to things or insights that are showing early promise rather than well done on this campaign, well done on this brand launch. You know, there's, it's further upstream. So, um, so, yeah, I think there is just a thing about being being visible, being vocal, but in your own way. What are you comfortable with? And I think doing those sometimes, um, understanding your style, your skills, whether you choose to color insights, Myers-Briggs, whatever is the right thing for you, they all have their flaws. But it's better to know something about yourself and understand something about your own way of working than to, to not understand anything. Yeah, and understand also how maybe others perceive you um, to help you then find, okay, this is where I'm strong, this is where I can really be successful rather than trying to just do things you're not comfortable with but i think it all goes back to you can only do that if you know the direction that you're heading in and which skills you don't need to as it may be you know stretch into because they're not part of that role versus those that you do need to because they're part of that future role i can only build on that saying that choosing what you choosing to do what you really like mm -hmm makes your life much nicer and better. So it's very important to understand if really your ending point in the career associated with the day life, like, you know, the routine that mm. you would be enjoying doing. Because sometimes we are inspired by the big titles, but we have no idea what this position really stands for. We first need to associate and kind of divide it into the uh, particular things that this person is doing on a daily basis and then to associate yourself with this. Do you really want to do it? Yeah. But with that, I would like to uh, ask you um, Elma's last question, and we would uh, slowly start uh, closing up our conversation. So uh, you shared with us an amazing story. And I think that the central element of the story is building the team and building the trust and uh, embrace the talents and uh, uh, ask them to even promote themselves. And uh, obviously, I think that it's grounded in the values so what are the values are critical for you that you embrace within the team and that helps you to select the right candidate to be part of your team? Hmm. I think one of the ones that I mentioned it in the first, I think one of the ones has to be trust. I think for me, it's, it's two ways that I feel that I want to trust my team and I feel that they, they, I want them to be able to trust me. 
So I'd say the value is, you know, it's transparency. Because I think if, you know, I want people who, who I work with to be really clear on where are we heading to? What's the direction? What's the strategy? Where are we heading to? And if there's a, you know, a kink or something, then just share it with us and we can adjust together as a team, right? So I think there's something about sharing, sharing with the team and being transparent for good or for bad. And when you have a course correction, full disclosure, why we're doing this, hey, we've got some feedback. I think there's something there really about, because trust is built by um, transparency, it's built by credibility, um, and it's built by really building that relationship with your team. So I really, I really adhere to that. And actually, there's a really good, um, uh, I always joke about it, the mathematical formula for trust from um, David Meister, which is, um, I think it's something like uh, trust plus credibility plus intimacy. And then there's a multiplier or a divide, but the multiplier is um, other orientation. So I, I am really here to help you. I'm not getting you to all this for me and my career progression. And if you don't show that piece of um, genuine, um, what we're all trying to do together is for, you know, is for your benefit as well as in terms of your career growth, then you lose the trust. So I really love that. I used to use it as someone who was in business development before. You know, you, you'll never build trust with clients if you can't build that reliability, credibility, um, transparency. Um, so I really, really focus on that. And then I do think it's about empowerment. I think it's giving people the opportunity to prove themselves. Um, because it goes back to that thing of micromanaging or managing through fear. Oh, yeah, I've had managers in the past where they, they drip feed you the, the, the information. And the, the way that they maintain their power is through maintaining the information. And it's dreadful. I mean, anyone who's in that situation, really, I, I, it doesn't work for me. Everyone, different styles of management work. For me, that style of management doesn't work. And I find myself just, this is not the place I want to be. So my, my view of management is I'm not going to drip feed you anything. We're going to have a big discussion about what we're trying to do. And then afterwards, we'll clean. And I'm going to trust you that if you know where we're trying to get to, you're going to make the right decisions to get there. What that then means for the individual and for the function is if you're in a meeting and someone says to you, can we do this? You know that you can say yes or no. Mm. You know you don't need to say, oh, let me, let me just go check. Because every time you say that, it, undermines, it kind of undermines you and your role. And you might be doing it because you're not feeling comfortable. You might be doing it because you're not in that secure team environment. But I want my team to feel they can make that decision. And you know what? Even if at the end of the day it wasn't the right one, I'll still support them in it because they've made the decision. And the worst thing you want to do is to go undermine somebody uh, in those situations. So for me, there's that real piece about empowerment. I mentioned before um, um, someone who joined my team who wasn't from Insights, you know, no Insights experience, um, and now runs the huge programs um, within six months. And that is incredible but it's because I can trust her and she knows I can trust her and she also knows I've got her back. And I think that's what's really important. So for me, I'd really go into that transparency, transparency, trust, I think the two go together. Um, and then really the, the empowerment, just let people own something end to end. And even that end to end can be a piece of something, but that piece is theirs. Don't undermine them on it. Don't micromanage them on it. And then just trust them to deliver it. You know, if you've, if you've hired the right people into your team, and if you've got that right fit, you said we spoke about it before. You know the the, the trust, um, and sometimes the enthusiasm is more important than than the, the technical skills. If you've hired the right people into your team, you'll get there. Um, you know they might need a bit more coaching, they might need a bit more training, but you'll get there. And the only other thing I would add is make the time, and, and if possible, the budget um, for learning and training, because yes, it might be. In time, it might be in your hands and you want to control that career path. But what you want to know is when you identify a gap and you say, what I want to do is do this kind of, I want to learn these kind of skills, 
that your manager can actually say, yeah, okay, that's two days out of the office. It's £2,000. I support you in that because it's in line with what we'd already agreed. And it becomes an easy decision for everybody because we know the direction you're heading in. We know what your objectives are. And therefore, I know you're not going to have identified something that's completely off the charts. You're going to identify a training course that actually is going to help you uh, progress. So there's also something in that um, by having that, that, that view, I suppose, and that career path and those, those ongoing development discussions, because that's the other thing we changed. Development discussions don't happen once a year. And if they do, you're in trouble because you're going to sit there and go, I wanted all these things. And your boss is going to go, well, I didn't know that. And now we're one day away from the deadline for the review system. Sorry. You know, you've got to make sure that they're ongoing. And I agree with you. As an employee, you need to, you need to kick that off. You need to tell your boss, hey, I'd like to have quarterly check-ins on how we're doing. How am I doing against my objectives? What do you need from me? You know, can we have, your company may have an annual review or a mid-year. Make it more frequent. Because I think you then are giving your manager the heads up of your expectations and where you want to be, um, and then you're but you're also having those uh, check-ins on that core and any course corrections throughout the year because that's one of the biggest working in different organisations. One of the biggest failings I think is the is the performance evaluation system because it does tend to be annual or at best twice a year, and that's not that's not enough. And for people who may be more introverted or who may be more you know. It doesn't give them the opportunity other than those one hit meetings to say what they think and what they feel. So I'd say try and find a way to create more regular discussions about what it is you want to do or, or what's next. Um, don't leave it to one. Fantastic. So, and I think that uh, in this answer, you already give some advices. So maybe we're going to wrap up this session okay. with the three advisors that you want to give all the people who are humble and interested to grow tremendously in the next, let's say, one, two, three years. So I don't think it'll be a surprise given some things I've said, but number one, be, be visible. And again, it doesn't mean shout the loudest. It just means be visible in whatever way you're comfortable with. Be proactive. Don't wait for people to give you stuff, to give you opportunities, to tell you what you can do. Look at when things are there, ask for them, take them, say, hey, can I do that? Um, don't be on the back foot. Um, and the third one would be just, I'd say it's bravery, which is... You know, we're as an industry kind of get stuck in a rut and we kind of do the same things. And yet everyone is crying out for something different all the time. So if you see something, if you have an idea, if you see a potential thing, just bring it up. Be brave. Talk about it. Say, hey, why don't we do this? Hey, I saw somebody here today talking about how we could use AI. Why don't we do a pilot? You know, I think there's something about just 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 daring in your own development or in the, the, the techniques your company is using to just as an individual to be braver and I think as an industry to be braver to just embrace new things because we don't want to be the people who are um, the last man standing behind this methodological you know altar where we think everything needs to be perfect and as it always has been absolutely there is so much opportunity for change right now and I honestly I came into this sector when online research started there was huge opportunity for disruption and change I believe where we are right now We're in a similar situation. There is a huge opportunity for disruption and change through tech, through AI. Um, so if I was a young person coming to sector right now, I'd be really excited about, hey, there's stuff here that I can drive and I can get us to try or do uh, as someone coming in as a disruptor within my own business. So I, I genuinely think it's an exciting time to come into the sector. Fantastic. 
So I think that uh, you enjoyed all the advices and it was an inspiring story that uh, truly inspired me and I hope that inspired many people who would watch us uh, uh, when it's going to be issued online. So thank you so much for your time to dedicate to talk to me and uh, then we're going to share all this uh, wisdom and the collection of the insights and advices with everyone who um, wants to grow. So thank you very much. Thank you. And I always say, if you take one thing out of it that's useful, then it's already a success. So hopefully there's something in there for everybody. But thank you very much.